Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. See here, it's always meant to, it's kind of to convey this, this idea that it's chaotic, but it, it does symbolize the world in one sense. Now, this beast that's rising up out of the sea, which is the Antichrist, the big question is, well, who is he? Where does he come from? And we don't know. We don't know. Is he alive on this planet right now? There's a really good chance he is. There's a really good chance he is. Does he come from like Rome in that sense? Is he Jewish? A lot of people believe he's of Jewish descent. There's a lot of hype within the church surrounding the Antichrist and who the Antichrist is, but the focus needs to remain on Jesus. Today, Pastor James will be explaining what the Antichrist is like and what his plans are during the end times. Regardless of his plans, Jesus has total authority and power and will defeat the Antichrist just by speaking a word. It's important to be educated on these matters, but even more important to live in preparation for the return of Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 13 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. For the believer, the book of Revelation, and we know this from chapter one, it's a blessing. It's not, it's not scary. It's not terrifying. The Antichrist, oh, the big scary Antichrist, he's not scary. The, what about the false prophet? What about Satan? No, not scary. Not scary. Not to the believer. Um, now, does, you know, are they, the Satan, he's angelic being, but he's created by God. He's created by God. Can he mess with you? Yeah, he probably does. Him or his little minion right? Because you're probably like me. I'm not big enough, okay, for Satan to have time for, all right? So, um, so he's got somebody way down on the totem pole that has been assigned to me. I'm sure of it, okay? So uh, they're annoying. They mess with the spiritual warfare. All that stuff is real, but it shouldn't cause us to waver. It shouldn't cause us to waver. I say all that because chapter 13, we get a really good insight into this unholy trinity, and that's really what this is. It's an unholy trinity. Um, I would title this, uh, in fact, I did earlier today, um, it's, uh, and I, now it, it just slipped my brain, but it's either the, you know, the great counterfeit or the great deception. This is what this is, okay? Satan is, he's the deceiver. He's been the deceiver from, uh, well, I would say from day one, but certainly since he fell, um, He's been constantly trying to trick humanity and, and trying to, you know, throw out uh, deception in the sense of, like, getting your eyes off of the Lord if you're a believer, uh, keeping you distracted if you're a non-believer, if you're starting to get closer to the Lord, or the, you start to feel that Holy Spirit nudging you and all that stuff. Satan is really good at throwing these tactics at us that's just deception and trickery and, and illusion and all that stuff. Chapter 13 is that. Um, we're at a pause in Revelation. So as we're going through the, the trumpet blast and all that good stuff, chapter 13, it kind of, it's, it's another one of those moments where they just push pause in Revelation. And the Lord's like, hey, John, let me show you. Let me show you this thing. Let me show you the, the characters from Revelation. 
And this is kind of, I don't know, this is kind of timely stuff. Um, you know, we're to be talking about the mark of the beast, and that's kind of fresh on everybody's brain right now. Like, is COVID, like, is, will the, you know, what, what is it, the, um, whatever the remedy they come up with with that vaccination, is that the mark of the beast? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Are we prepped and primed for a mark of the beast? Oh, you better believe it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh What's so fun about Revelation right now is we're going through this. I didn't pick it because we're going because it feels like we're going through the end times. I picked it because it was like, you know, the, the Lord put it on our hearts. So like, yeah, let's go through Revelation and be reminded that Jesus has won. And ultimately, it's all settled, you know, in the end of it all. But as, as we've just been walking through this book and as, you know, our, our world's been upside down, um, it is kind of funny to read, reread this book and restudy it through fresh eyes with all this other stuff going on. A um, hundred years ago, people would be like, what? Mark of the Beast? What are you talking about? Like, how is that possible and all this stuff? Now we're like, oh, yeah, duh, that could happen. Like, that's totally possible. A um, hundred years ago, by the way, it was 1920. Isn't that weird? Um, so just, uh, I was doing the math earlier today. I was like, well, 1920. Um, but it wasn't that long. I mean, you know, that many years ago, people would have thought, you know, the two prophets that died in the street, and it's broadcast over, over every television station and all that stuff. You know, many years ago, people would have thought, it's just not possible. How's that possible? Now it's like, duh, of course it's possible. How's that not possible? I mean, it's like, we see everything all the time. So a lot of this stuff is just kind of like, I think, I don't know how close we are, but I know we're closer today than we've ever been, okay? Um, my prayer, contrary to what, you know, maybe my daughter would pray, because my daughter wants, she wants, she wants to experience life. She wants to go through all the stuff. So when I talk about like, oh, I can't wait for heaven to come, she's like, well, I kind of, and I'm like, listen, I get it. I was the same way. I was the same way. When I first got saved, 19, I was like, okay, God, I don't know anything about this rapture thing, but can you hold off on that for a little bit? Because I'm about to go to California and go to Bible college, so please just don't let it happen now, right? Now I'm 40 with four kids. I'm like, any moment, any time, let's just do this. Uh, as my kids are like, but wait, no, you got to live. We haven't got to. And I'm like, it's, it's okay. We understand that. But we're just walking through this. John gets this really cool uh, vision of, and the, the two characters we're going to see, it, it is the Antichrist and it's the false prophet, okay? So let's look at this. Verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, now in my vision, I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Uh, the sea is always kind of uh, a depiction of the world, all right? Um, so when, when John sees this beast rising up out of the sea, uh, technically, if you go back, chapter 12, verse 18, says he stood waiting on the shore of the sea, um, you got, and we just dealt with like Satan, the dragon and all this stuff, okay? So John's saying, he's like, now I got this vision and I saw this beast rising up out of the sea. The sea, which is just right across the street for us, um, which is a beautiful thing, an amazing thing. It's very therapeutic, it's very calming, but it also can be very frightening, okay? And as we know, as there's a storm out in the Gulf right now, um, the, the, the sea is very unpredictable. The sea here, it's always meant to, it's kind of to convey this, this idea that it's chaotic, but it, it does symbolize the world in one sense. Now, this beast that's rising up out of the sea, which is the Antichrist, the big question is, well, who is he? Where does he come from? And we don't know. We don't know. Is he alive on this planet right now? There's a really good chance he is. 
There's a really good chance he is. Does he come from like Rome in that sense? Is he Jewish? A lot of people believe he's of Jewish descent and coming out of European, uh, somewhere in Europe, maybe in the Roman er- Rome area, uh, somewhere within maybe Italy or something like that. I have no clue. I got no clue. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I've never been looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus, period. I don't care about the Antichrist. He's going to show up when he's supposed to show up. He's going to come out of this sea, so to speak, when God wants him to come out of the sea. And he's going to do whatever it is that God permits him to do. I do not care about the Antichrist. I'm not afraid of the Antichrist. I'm, I, I know there's some like Christian mu- movies that are out there and they, you know, the Antichrist is like, oh, the scary guy. I'm like, I don't care. He's just a dude. He's just a guy, okay? Now, does he get possessed by Satan? Yes, okay, now that makes him a little bit more scarier than a normal person, right? But he's just a man, he's just a man. Our eyes, especially as believers, our eyes are not on him, our eyes are on Jesus, the Christ, okay? And he even told us that. He says, listen, when it starts to go down, just keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me. Be watching, be watching for what? For the Antichrist? No, for me, for me. Throughout the course of history, there have been plenty of antichrist. Plenty. Um, lowercase a, antichrist. There have always been antichrists that have been out there. Always. There will continue to be antichrist until it's all said and done. But this guy, the one coming out of the sea, this is the main guy who has been selected, um, you know, and he kind of falls within that category of Judas, you know, the son of perdition. Um, these two guys are born and it's like, it would have been better if they'd never been born. It's what's the set of only two people ever. And it's Judas Iscariot who sold Jesus out and the Antichrist. So here's this beast rising out of the sea. This is John seeing him and he's, he's noticing, he says it had seven heads, 10 horns, 10 crowns or diadems, whatever your translation says, uh, on its horns and written on each head were names that blasphemed God or spoke um, against God, cursing God, okay? Um, So this is what John is saying. Now, he's using these uh, descriptive terms. It's not that he actually sees this weird-looking beast coming out of the sea. This beast looks a whole lot pretty similar to the dragon, okay? Because you note the similarities there of uh, the multiple heads and and the crowns and all that stuff, meaning that there's a there's a, a ruling kind of authority with these guys and different nations. And, and maybe it's this 10 nation empire that comes together to rule the entire world, a, a new world order. Okay. Um, that is all probably, yes, probably part of it. What, what I wouldn't want us to miss is this, because um, we believe that this is a, a literal thing that will happen. The Antichrist will show up on the scene and he will be well connected politically. Absolutely. Um, politicians all over this globe will be worshiping this guy. People will be worshiping this guy. Um, This will happen for sure. Uh, But like I said before, there have been plenty of people who have risen to power that people have gladly worshiped all throughout history, okay? All throughout history. But this is speaking of specifically one individual, the main, the capital A Antichrist. So he's got these seven heads, um, the 10 horns, the 10 crowns, and the, the thing that of note here is the fact that all over this individual is, uh, is blasphemy towards God. There's this, 
uh, vitriol, this, this hate towards God. He's all about hating God, and he's all about hating Jesus, and he's all about hating the Holy Spirit. He's all about hating saints, believers, um, anything that has anything to do with God, he speaks against it. So this beast looked like a leopard, but it, it had bear's feet or bear paws, if you're yours may. And I always think of bear claws, and that makes me hungry for pastries. Um, that's just always where my brain goes. But he's got bear feet and a lion's mouth. Now, this is fascinating because if you go to Daniel, which we may read a little bit later, I think it's Daniel chapter 7, um, there's a descriptive term of basically this exact same thing. Uh, the leopard, that's Greece. Um, you got the bear, that's, um, uh, oh, it was right there. I just lost it. Let me move on to the lion. The lion is, uh, what, Babylon. Okay, so, um, and then, oh, man, Medes and Persians. That's the, uh, that's the bear, okay? Um, like I said, we'll read Daniel chapter 7 in a second, but so what he's noticing, what, what John is noticing is like, hey, this beast that's coming up out of the sea looks really familiar. Not only does he look similar to the dragon itself, but John would also, knowing his Bible, would say like, man, I've seen this guy before. Well, there's reference for this type of creature, we'll call him, uh, back in the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel goes hand in hand with the book of Revelation. It's a, a wonderful counterpart. Okay, um, at least the first six, six chapters of Daniel are dealing with, you know, Daniel himself and his story and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then once you get into chapter seven, that from then on, I mean, you're talking about prophetic things. I mean, it, it lines up pretty spectacularly with, uh, with Revelation. So we've seen this guy before. We've been given a heads up concerning this, this beast that's coming up out of the sea. And it says, the dragon gave him his own power and throne and great authority. So this is the great counterfeit, right? So you have the dragon, who is Satan, who is supposed to be a representation or kind of like um, anti-God, right? See, and that's what he is. So he has his own son, so to speak, who's the Antichrist, and he, he gives him his power, his throne, and authority. Sounds a whole lot like God the Father and God the Son, right? You read through the Gospels and you're like, but that's what God did for Jesus. Of course, because Satan, he's going to create this deception. He's going to create this deception. And he will even have his own, quote unquote, Holy Spirit. We'll call him the unholy spirit. And he's the false prophet. He's got his own unholy trinity that's going on here. But you can see the Antichrist is Satan's chosen representative. Now, what I would caution you with is this. It is not like some guy is walking around on the planet and has no desire to be the Antichrist, and Satan's just like, oh, that guy looks good. I'm just going to possess him. This individual is a willing participant, okay? So I think we need to understand that. It's not like Satan's just like roaming the earth being like, well, that guy looks, he's pretty charismatic, and, all, and he's, he, he lines up, he fits the profile and all that stuff. It's not like that. Um, he, he's looking for a willing vessel, and this Antichrist is more than willing. Judas Iscariot, Iscariot was more than willing to sell Jesus out. It wasn't as if Satan just possessed him and he had no control or anything like that. He chose to, to sell Jesus out. He had a choice to make. 
Same with this Antichrist guy. Same with the false prophet. Um, these individuals are more than willing to sign up on Satan's team. More than willing to. Because, look, I mean, he offers to this guy what he offered to Jesus. You remember that story in the, in the Gospels when Jesus got baptized by John and then goes out into the wilderness and Satan shows up and he's tempting him. And what does he do? He takes him out onto the, the high, the, the hilltop there. And he's like, look, all these kingdoms, they can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus came back at Satan with the word of God. He says, you, we worship God alone. I will not bow down to you. And I don't need you to give me the kingdoms. Now, you know that Jesus, he never told Satan, like, you can't offer me that. He didn't say that. But he didn't need to. Because Jesus knows the end of the story. He's like, nah, I'm going to get those kingdoms. I don't, I don't need to worship you. I'm not going to bow down to you. Humanity may have turned those things over to you in the garden kind of a deal. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole debate concerning that. But he, Satan offered the same offer to Jesus. This Antichrist guy fits the bill. He's a willing vessel. And he's like, look, power, uh, authority, prestige, sign me up. I'll take that deal. He's more than willing to, okay? John goes on to say, as he's describing this, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, um, which is, so there's this fatal wound that happens there. I'm going I'm to shift the Bible real quick. Um, this is the message Bible. You're like, the message? No. Um, it's cool. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Um, it's a good reader Bible. It really is a good reader Bible. Uh, but I really appreciate how they translated this uh, for us. I say they. Um, but it's, so here's what the message Bible says, okay? So as we're going through the dragon and all this good stuff, one of the beast's heads looked at it as if it had been struck with a death blow and then healed. Okay, um, the whole earth was agog, gaping at the beast. They worshiped the dragon who gave the beast authority, and they worshiped the beast, exclaiming, "There's never been anything like the beast. No one would dare to go to war with the beast." Okay, so that's basically uh, the summarization of the you know verses three and four. There, John notices that this beast has like this this wound that happens. So what is that? Is it is it an assassination attempt? Could be, could be. Uh, there's a prophecy in Zechariah that um, talks about uh, the uh, worthless shepherd kind of a guy who has an injury to his eye, his right eye, and his right arm, and they're no longer effective. And a lot of people believe that that's a prophecy concerning the Antichrist at this time. Like somebody maybe tries to take this guy's life, and he ends up losing an eye, and he, his arm gets messed up. Regardless of what it is, John's noticing, he's like, man, it looks like one of those things got wounded pretty badly. And in fact, most people believe that he dies. And what? And he comes back alive. Sounds like a good counterfeit, right? Because that's what Satan does. Of course, he got wounded, but the fatal wound was healed miraculously, maybe even three days later. We don't know. It doesn't say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was three days later. And the whole world marvels. The whole world, it says the whole world marveled at this miracle and followed the beast in awe. This is the Antichrist. He's walking around like he's Jesus. And the world is like, here's this guy. Here's the guy everybody's been looking for. 
Oh, he finally did show up. He didn't, he didn't look anything like those Christians were saying he was going to be like. No, this is the one we've been waiting for. For all these years, here he is. And look, he even died and came back alive. It's a miracle. It's amazing. Why would we not follow this guy? So they're following him. And then it goes on to even say that, verse 4, it says, they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worship the beast. Is there anyone as great as the beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? So this is like, this is what we do. We worship God. Why do we worship God? We worship God because, well, we love God because God first loved us, and God sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And we worship Jesus because he's the son of God. But the church is gone. People are still getting saved. And this false Messiah is what I'll call him, the Antichrist. He shows up on the scene and everybody's like, oh, here he is. Here he is. In fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship. You're going to worship Satan? Yeah. Well, why? Well, because he's God, right? He's all powerful, right? He's in control, right? That's the deception. That's the deception. He's not even on the same level as God. But he's created this illusion that he's God, and it's what he's always wanted. It's what Satan has always wanted, the one thing. What do you, he, he got tired of singing the same song over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he's like, I want people to sing that for me. And that's what got kicked him out of heaven. Got him kicked out of heaven. Now, this is, this is what he's experiencing. People are actually worshiping Satan, and they're worshiping the Antichrist, and they're singing his praises, and they're like, who can come against him? Who's going to stop him? Who can stop them? This is a weird, and like, the church gets raptured up, but this whole new church starts up during the tribulation times. And it's not like this weird kind of, you know, I'm a, kid of the 80s, you know, so like there's this whole satanic panic thing that happened, I guess, when I was a kid. I don't remember any of it, but, uh, but you know, there was this thing of like Satan worshipers and all that stuff. It's not like that, okay? So you can maybe dismiss some of that stuff or Anton LaVey's, you know, and all that good stuff or the, the Church of Satan in San Francisco. It's all black and everything like that. We're not talking about like that, but this is like logical, reasonable kind of people who are like, yep, we're going to worship, we're going to worship him. We're going to worship this guy. And he's not like Satan's walking around, you know, cloven-footed with the red, with the tail and the pitchfork and stuff like that, demanding people. We don't even know if they even see Satan visually. I mean, there's no indication. They certainly see the Antichrist and are like, listen, whatever's giving you your power and authority, whoever your father is, we want to worship him. It's quite the quite the change from what we do, you know, and what we know as, you know, as believers. But there's this great deception. Verse 5 says, the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do what he wanted for 42 months. It's, you know, that's the, the time period that we're, we're dealing with here, these three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God. Now, you can note that, I mean, this is the same, uh, you know, adjective or descriptive term that's used for this guy. Uh, what, what spews out of his mouth, what is consuming his heart is hatred towards God, okay? He's got it written all over him, and everything that comes out of his mouth is anti-God, anti-God, anti-God. And you would think, because we get kind of spoiled, especially within our Western world, like, we're looking at this as if, like, 
you know, we're around or this is happening right. And we, we would be thinking, I would say 10 years ago, we'd be like, no way. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James teaches through the book of Revelation. Some days it may feel like the choices you make don't really matter in the long run, but the book of Revelation teaches us otherwise. There will come a day when the decisions you make today will impact your future. There will come a day when all that is evil will be cast away and the darkness will no longer have dominion. So take a moment and think about your life. Are you making decisions that are good and holy, or are you making decisions that will hinder your relationship with the Lord? If it's the latter, be encouraged. God doesn't leave or forsake. Seek Him and ask Him to help you overcome the darkness. He is faithful, and He has the power to restore you. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse messages from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you visit. For directions and service times, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to hear from you too. So send us a quick note in the contact tab at breadforthebroken.com if you've been blessed by this program. There's still a lot to learn from the book of Revelation, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time for Bread for the Broken.